Yo! Welcome to Simply Bitcoin Live. We're your number one source for the peaceful Bitcoin revolution of color breaking news, culture, matic warfare. We will be your guide through the separation of money and state. El Salvador, once again, being attacked by the legacy corporate media machine. And what I want to highlight today are the double standards between, because what they're essentially accusing El Salvador of is uh, attacking democracy. They're also uh, accusing Nayib Bukele of being a dictator. And a lot of the things that they're saying are, are true, right? El Salvador disproportionately has imprisoned a large percentage of their population in order to reduce crime. Now, they've been successful at doing that, but that also gives ammunition to uh, the international cabal of fiat money, in my opinion. That's really what it was, because I don't think they were really caring what was happening on in El Salvador before they made Bitcoin legal tender. I think that's really when, uh, you know, this this international media propaganda machine, fiat propaganda machine, really, really put their crosshairs on this Central American country. And here's the thing. Um, other countries that have a much, much worse uh human rights record have been ignored. Um, they, they haven't even been covered by the same uh, legacy media uh, 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 publications, right? So I just kind of want to highlight the double standards of that. And on today's episode, we are going to take a, we are going to play devil's advocate. So we're not just going to highlight, obviously, you know, you guys know how Opti and, Opti and I feel about uh, El Salvador. That's probably because Opti and I are Hispanic and we have a, you know, a different vantage point. Uh, in my opinion, it is the, the one of the only countries in the region where I see hope and prosperity and opportunity. You have people telling me, you have people telling Opti El Salvadorians that they actually want to move back to the country. That is unheard of. Uh, it, once a South American or Central American, they, they reach the states. That's the promised land, right? You, you never hear this concept of them wanting to leave the states, going back to their country. But I think since Nayib Bukele you know, took power and he made the base layer of that society uh, a, a strong base layer, a, a, a base layer based on truth. Of course, I'm talking about Bitcoin. Perhaps it might have aligned the incentives between citizens and the government. And perhaps that's why you're starting to see this. And I think that is responsible for a lot of the reaction reactions coming from the legacy corporate media machine which I think we've learned over the last two or three years um, that I don't think they really have our best interests at heart. And I'm not just talking about certain publications, right? You have the Financial Times, Opti calls them the Fiat Times, literally releasing uh, pieces as to why a, a digital currency is necessary. You have the New York Times hit piece, multiple hit pieces, some even written by Elizabeth Warren, the anti-Bitcoin senator herself, uh, literally saying, hey, you know, Bitcoin is a problem. We remember the New York Times hit piece where they literally uh, color corrected the sky to make it seem like uh, Bitcoin somehow is polluting the environment, even though, you know, we know that ASICs don't uh, uh, directly emit CO2, right? So it, it's just interesting how all this is playing out. So we're going to go through a lot of the articles today, but I, I really think the smoking gun is the double standards between how they treat certain countries and how they treat other countries, right? 
So that's what I want to highlight today during the news. And during the culture segment, we have a very special guest and also someone who I consider a friend. We have a fellow South Floridian coming us and joining us on the show today. So I'm going to bring him up on stage. Hector, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, Nico. How are you doing today? Good, good, good. And of course, my legendary co-host, always optimistic, always a giant smile on his face. Look at that. Look at that smile. The one, the only, the optimist fields. How you doing, bro? I am doing wonderful. As you guys know, I am three coffees deep, so I am Jack today. Let's go. But uh, Nico, you actually said something interesting, and uh, you and I have had this conversation. I think we've actually had this conversation live on the show. It's the idea of being a first generation American and feeling like we got sold a, uh, you know, a bad bag of goods with the American dream. And, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a holdout, but it is very interesting to have these conversations with other Salvadorians, other Hispanics that are like, I would love to go back home. I love what Bukele is doing. And it's like, man. Uh, you know, I wish I wish that would happen in my home country of Mexico, but I'm an American and we are America first. And let's make sure that America stays the best place to live, because it really, in my opinion, is, you know, like the the last Alamo, the last bastion of freedom. And even though it does seem like it's crumbling in real time, I, I'm, I'm still holding out. I still have hope. As you can tell, I have a, I have a good American accent here. So uh, my Spanish is not the best. Hence why I'm like, I love my home. Uh, let's make sure America stays great. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Let's let's try to hold it down. Let's see if, you know, America is able to return back to its first principles. I think the original, exactly. you know, foundations of this country are it's almost as if they could have been ridden by bitcoiners right like it, it's so you know like it, it's it, it like it's perfect for each other it's a match made in heaven i think it's been frankenstein since the uh introduction of the federal reserve back in 1913 which is also coincidentally the year that they introduced the federal income tax i know hector had some thoughts on that as well that we were talking before uh, the show started. But anyways, before we move on, guys, it is really important. The YouTube algo really, really likes this. Smash the like button. Literally takes two seconds of your time. Just smash it, smash it, smash it. Help us continue our streak every show for the last two weeks. We have broken over 100 likes during the live show. Help us continue our streak and uh, we'll get there. But before we before we roll this in, uh, Hector, why don't you tell everybody what you were telling me about the introduction of the federal income tax in 1913 and what you found interesting? Well, it, it's building a little bit on what you were talking about yesterday with regard to uh, the restriction on crossing borders with over $10,000 and how that now would be the equivalent of 70 some odd thousand dollars. But um, they sort of whittled down and they the, the government has been able to sort of ratchet control up little by little. Uh, because of that. And a very similar thing uh, has happened since the introduction of the income tax or the reintroduction in 1913. Originally, the income tax was 1% at the lowest levels and 7% at the highest levels. Well, now in 2022, uh, it's uh, 10% at the lowest levels and 37% at the highest level. So income taxes as a percentage of, of individual income have gone up 5 to 10x during that 90-year stretch. And that is during a period of time where our purchasing power, the, the purchasing power of the U.S. dollar, has gone down by over 90%. So the government is still making sure to get theirs, all the while uh, still making sure to take as much as they can from you. Uh, and that is not consistent with the founding principles of this country of sovereignty and being able to put your own wealth to work and to protect it. 
Uh, and I just thought, thought that that was interesting as you uh, brought that up yesterday in, uh, in the culture segment yesterday. A hundred percent. Amazing. And, uh, also, I, I want to bring up this uh, this chat from um, and Opti. Why don't you re- why don't you read it? Because uh, it kind of kind of uh, reinforces the point that that we've been trying to make. So uh, why don't you read that, Opti? All right, we got Jay Thoreau, and he goes, "I'm an American and moving to El Salvador in about a month to live full time on a Bitcoin standard. Their country is actually heading in the right direction, unlike the U.S. Sadly, couldn't agree more." Yeah, one hundred percent. 100%. All right, everybody. No more delay. Let's jump straight into the show. We got a lot to talk about today. Let's check it out. Here we go. The Bitcoin numbers. Is your Bitcoin in cold storage really secure? Is your seed phrase really secure? Stamp Seeds do-it-yourself kit has everything you need to hammer your seed words into commercial grade titanium plates instead of just writing them on paper. Don't store your generational wealth on paper. Paper is prone to water damage, fire damage. You want to put your generational wealth on one of the strongest metals on planet Earth, titanium. Your words are actually stamped into this metal plate with this hammer and these letter stamps. And once your words are in, they aren't going anywhere. No risk of the plate breaking apart and pieces falling everywhere. Titanium stamp seeds will survive nearly triple the heat produced by a house fire. They're also crush proof, waterproof, non-corrosive and time proof. All things that paper is not allowing you to hodl your bitcoin with peace of mind for the long haul stamp your seed on stamp seed all right guys also you could scan the qr code on your screen we made it easy for you guys it will take you directly to the stamp seed website and you can use the promo code simply to get yourself a 15 percent discount anything on the stamp seed website definitely recommend you properly secure your generational wealth Put it on titanium. Don't put it on paper. Don't put yourself in a position where you have to explain to your grandchildren why you lost your Bitcoin. Anyways, at the time of recording, the Bitcoin price is 29,240. Sats per dollar, 3,420. Block height, 800,230. Blocks to the halving, 39,770. Having estimates April 20th, 2024. Total Lightning Network capacity, 4,666 Bitcoin. Approximately, approximately 136 million U.S. dollars. Realized monetary inflation, 1.76%. Continuing to take fiat currencies to absolute school. The market capitalization of Bitcoin, $568 billion with the B. The Bitcoin versus gold market cap is 4.36%. So in the grand scheme of things, you guys are still, still in the first innings of all of this. Anyways, what I wanted to share with you guys um, are some videos from uh, X.com, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, Let us know down in the comments what you guys think of the name. I think it's interesting. Um, We we covered that. Sounds like a porn site, Nico. Not going to lie. I mean, that's (laughs) exactly that was mentioned. That was literally the reason that Peter Thiel was like against X.com being the name for PayPal. But hey, you know what? Elon's a billionaire and he bought Twitter. So, uh, you know, let's see what happens. Anyways, um, so a couple of videos I kind of want to go through today. Um, and this is a picture from uh, Coinbeer. I believe he's also a YouTuber and he's a very good content creator. Obviously, he's more, you know, crypto, not only Bitcoin stuff, but still I, we understand how hard it is to make content 
and his production quality is pretty on point, even though we might not necessarily agree with the crypto aspect of his content. Anyways, it goes on to say, this is the future of payments with FedNow and CBDCs, biometric info linked to your social credit account, linked to your wallet, right? So let me play you a quick video of these, uh, you know, these ladies literally using uh, their eyes to pay. And like, <sighs> like if you just use common sense, uh, how that can be abused. And there's actually videos in China where if your social credit goes below, uh, below a, a certain score and you're trying to enter a train or any type of public transportation or their version of Uber and you try to get in there, they will literally say, no, you can't travel because your social credit system is too low. And that, what happens is that is a bureaucrat and central banker's wet dream because it becomes a forcing function of compliance. It's not that they're gonna force you, totally coerce you to behave, to not have a gas stove, to only be able to drive 15 minutes away from your city, to uh, if you've bought over a certain amount of steak per month, right? It's not that they're gonna force you by gun, right? It's that they're gonna, what they're gonna, they're, on, they're gonna ostracize you. They might publicly shame you. That's what they've been doing in China. But most importantly, you're not gonna be able to buy certain things. You're not, to be, you're, you're not gonna be able to access certain travel. You're not gonna be able to access certain goods or services. So that incentivizes you, right? And we're Bitcoiners, so we're big believers in incentives. That incentivizes you to, to do what? to play by the rules, right? And what is that but not a form of slavery? So when we say Bitcoin or slavery, we are not exaggerating this at all. Anyways, here is a, a clip from Wide Awake Media, and it goes on to say, IMF Deputy Managing Director Bo Lee, central bank digital currencies will be programmable such, such that governments will be able to centrally determine what kind of people can use them and what kind of things people can buy with them in order to enforce their desired policy objectives, right? And just kind of, you know, you have to connect the dots. This is what we do at Simply Bitcoin. We lay it out for you, but you guys have to connect the dots on your own. And I'm going to play you this clip and uh, then we'll talk about it. Let's check it out. The third way we think CBDC can improve financial inclusion is through what we call programmability. That is, CBDC can allow government agencies and private sector players to program, to create smart contracts, to allow targeted policy functions. For example, welfare payment. For example, consumption coupon. For example, food stamp. By programming CBDC, those money can be precisely targeted for what kind of people can own and what kind of use this money can be utilized, for example, for food. So this potential programmability can help government agencies to precisely target their support to those people who need support. Yeah, that, that's the only thing they're going to use it for, right? It, it's not going to be a forcing function of society, right? It's, you know, these, these, these politicians that can't even not lie to you about whether there's going to be inflation or not. These politicians that are also, you know, debanking an entire <laughs> protest movement like the Canadian truckers protest. Yeah, I, we, we should trust them. 
uh, because they're not going to weaponize that power against their citizens to protect their political moat, right? Could you imagine, you know, there's a video, there's a video that was like kind of going around the other day where Justin Trudeau like had an open forum meeting and then anyone who was critical of him, he, he just basically told the cops to escort them out. So could you imagine, you know, tyrants like that, that have access to this type of money, which literally allows them to bend society to their will uh, you know, that, that is a very scary future. And when I say Bitcoin or slavery, you have to understand in the eyes of the current administration, the papers that are being released by the treasury, they're, they're very, very transparent on, um, what they believe the future of money is. And in their eyes, the future of money are central bank digital currencies, right? So if they're in their eyes, the future of money, central bank digital currencies, we know they're, they're trying to get rid of cash. What is the alternative to this system? The alternative to the system is to opt out entirely and opt out into something that no, not only can they not control it, but also uh, also uh, nobody can control it. Right. It's it's you know, it's this decentralized. Nobody owns it peer to peer system. And then. By having this decentralized peer-to-peer -peer system, it takes away the power away from this elite bureaucratic class that think they know how to live your life better than you know how to live it yourself, right? Um, it really takes away the power away from the central planners. That's what Bitcoin's about. That's what this fight is all about. And uh, yeah, man, look, I I am... I am... Uh, I am worried about this world and I'm worried uh, about the future of, of where they want to take this. And I'm worried that not enough people are really awake to what is coming. Right. And then I think that by the time people wake, wake up to this reality, uh, I think it's going to be too, it's going to be too little too late. The systems of control are going to be in place. And that's why I'm so optimistic about El Salvador. And I, and I really believe this is why they're attacking it so much. This is why I'm so optimistic about uh, developing countries, the global south, that have, have already lost all confidence in their local government's ability to, uh, to control money or to uh, issue money. So because they're, they're going to be, they, you're going to give them a choice and they're going to say, ah, yeah, this Bitcoin thing sure sounds like a good idea. Now, they're kind of in this transition phase where they still believe stable coins, you know, they, they and stay the thing about stable coins is that they provide like this false sense of financial sovereignty. Um, but again, you know, this is a multi-generational education process, right? This is not going to be something that happens overnight. Think about how long it took you to take the orange pill, right? It's, it's at least minimum a year to two year learning process to, and the reason that I believe it takes so long is because you have to unlearn a lot of the things that were uh, bestowed or, you know, you were indoctrinated with living in the fiat matrix, right? This idea of, yes, money cannot function without inflation. Money cannot function unless it's issued by governments, right? Well, look, the writing's on the wall. We've played you guys the videos. We've shown you the data. We've shown you the sources time and time and time again. This is the world that they want for you. And this is what I got to say to that. F that. I choose to opt out into a money that doesn't steal from me, protects my energy, protects my time, protects my purchasing power. I refuse to use that. I refuse to use their money. And you know what? I think over time, as more and more people opt out, 
their tyrannical nature is going to expose itself more and more and more and more. And then eventually I predict that they're going to put themselves in a corner and they're going to have to say the quiet pot out loud, which they've been refusing to say, they've been ignoring, which is they want you to use the money that steals from you. This is the reality of it. Like this is just, that's just a, that's a cold, hard fact. They want you using money that steals from you. Once we get them to admit that, and once they're on tape admitting that, again, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to, uh, to defend that perspective, to defend that viewpoint, especially now that Bitcoin has proven that a money can exist, that not only does it not decrease in purchasing power over time, it actually increases in purchasing power over time. Opti, why don't you hit it? And then we'll move on to Hector. Yeah, yeah. First, um, to your last point, you know, there's there's so much you need to unlearn from the fiat world to become a Bitcoiner, but I can definitely say that it's worth it. And being part of that journey and unlearning so much to becoming a Bitcoiner and getting on the Bitcoin standard, my life has improved like tenfold is if I have to put a number on it. But before I jump in, that Trudeau video that you brought up, uh, I saw it as well. And it's just absolutely ludicrous. And it's a trend that I'm seeing from all politicians and and even, uh, you know, what do we call them? The what what the monetary demons, the productive, uh, unproductive class, the parasite class, uh, what it the, the fiat uh, fiat times class, whatever you want to call them. But it's amazing how we cannot have these conversations without being gaslit and canceled. Like the parasitic class would much rather simply ignore the problem than do right by the people that they're supposedly representing. Like it, it just it's insane that this is where we are right now in clown world. But it's very obvious to anyone awake that this is the status quo. So it, it's one of those things where. It's hard to wake up like your friends and family, like your parents and, and try to explain this to them because they still believe in the authority figures that are on the TV in the suits. We talk about it all the time. And, and you know, what's the saying? Uh, it, it's incredibly hard to wake someone up when they're when their life and job depends on them believing the lie. But that's a totally other tangent. Um, the private and public P CBDC trend that we are seeing right now, whether that's Fed now, X dot coms, uh, you know, uh, must what's it called wechat of the west or uh the recent scam that just got dropped the the scam coin i mean world coin uh it's all headed towards a dangerous precedent it, it's bitcoin or slavery we say it all the time like the dystopia that is being marketed as the future in my opinion is completely anti-human Pro programmable programmable money uh it seems so beneficial like it, it seems so like innocent when you say it that way but surgical precision of your money is not a good thing as, as we've seen so far in the world today you know in my opinion all fiat money is basically digital already and now they want even more control to surgically program your money like that's absolutely terrifying like central control of humanity will not improve people's lives only a free market money will, and that is Bitcoin. And remember the meme that I keep doubling down on. CBDCs does not mean central bank digital currencies. It means central bank digital control. Do not forget it. They can market it however they want, but they're saying the quiet parts out loud continuously and trying to dress it up in a new flowery way so that people accept it, so that people consent to being wholly controlled and it's absolutely disgusting. And this is why we're Bitcoiners. This is why we double down on the idea of Bitcoiner slavery. You want to opt into a permissionless money, one that cannot be censored, one that cannot be debased, one that uh, you know stores its value through time and space, and that is Bitcoin. You know, there is a learning process to becoming a Bitcoiner, but 
I can guarantee you it is better than whatever is being marketed by these psychopaths over there at, uh, you know, in fiat land. It, it just, man, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm so far down the rabbit hole. And again, it's that uh, Zoolander meme. Like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills all the time because it's so simple now. It just, your life is simplified on Bitcoin. You're, you're muted. Nico. Your take on this, bro. Uh, well, you know, it's it's funny that you bring up uh, Trudeau and authoritarianism and uh, central planning and the dangers of it, uh, because you guys didn't know this, but, you know, I am also a first generation Hispanic immigrant here to the United States. Right. So my parents are from Cuba uh, and they left uh, in the late 1950s, uh, just before this guy named Fidel Castro took over over there. And, um, you know, the promises were all great. Hey, this is going to be fantastic. Uh, this is going to be a utopian dream. And then all of a sudden they woke up one day and they said, hey, you know, all that wealth, all that money, all those properties, all those businesses that you thought that you owned, we own them now. Uh, and that's why they left. And thankfully they did. And that's why I'm talking with you from South Florida instead of from Havana, Cuba. Uh, so, you know, past is prologue. Uh, when someone has the ability to control your wealth, uh, they will do it. Uh, so don't let them do it like, uh, you know, folks in Cuba made that mistake a while back. Don't make that mistake. Don't let them control your wealth. Don't let them control your time. Opt into a money that can't steal from you uh, and make sure that you maintain your freedom and your sovereignty. And as far as the world coin eye scanning folks, I'm not sure what they're thinking. Uh, have they not seen the nosedive episode of Black Mirror? Have they not seen Minority Report? Uh, this does not end well. Uh, and I highly, highly recommend uh, that if you don't yet have any Bitcoin, you start stacking sats, you get off zero and you protect your future with Bitcoin. Amen. Amen. Beautifully, beautifully. Wait, said. wait, before we go on, Nico, uh, Hector reminded me or triggered a thought and it was, uh, I think it's a Ben Franklin quote where he says like, if you do not defend liberty and freedom, then you will lose it in a few generations. Maybe it was a different founding fathers, but it really is interesting how so many Americans today just take it for granted that like we live in the freest country in the world. It will always remain free. Like I, I don't have to stay vigilant, but as we've seen constantly in the last, what, 60 70, 80 years or whatever, even in the last couple of years, uh, you can slowly start to see that freedom erode and your liberties just get taken, you know, inch by inch, one by one. It's just, it's, you know, just stay vigilant out there, guys. Like we do have the tools to fight back, but it's about you guys being awake and, and actually taking action. Yeah. And, and not only that, like using those tools, right? Because it's like a tool is only as good as you being able to pick it up and like use it. This is why we advocate so hard for you taking Bitcoin into self-custody. Stamp Seed says it best, right? Take your Bitcoin into self-custody. Don't put it on paper. <laughs> put it on titanium. Um, store it the right way. Scan the QR code screen right now. It takes you to Stamp Seed and you can use promo code simply. But um, but yeah, man, um, look, Another thing that you said, Hector, before we move on to the news is this idea that um, that your parents left Cuba in the 1950s. They immigrated to the U.S. Well, uh, that was because of the times. Right. Are we now seeing this phenomenon where people are seeing the writing on the wall here in the U.S. and now they're fleeing to the new promised land, which could be El Salvador? Is that is that what's happening? Are we kind of like living through this through this process? I don't know. But, you know, Bitcoin gives you this this power, right, that I think that a lot of Cubans that were fleeing Cuba for the United States back in the 50s, I'm sure that they would have died for this, which is it gives you the it gives you the power to bring your wealth with you, 
you know, if you're in a pickle, you can memorize 24 words. I promise you that. If you are in a pickle, you will memorize those goddamn 24 words as if your life depended on it, right? Uh, and maybe you don't have that good of a memory. You memorize 12 words, but that's good enough, right? Um, but that's the point, right? This is the power of Bitcoin. It gives you the power to not only vote with your wallet, but it gives you the power to vote with your feet, but only if you take a little bit of personal responsibility and you take that Bitcoin into self-custody. I also want to give a shout out to the biggest Bitcoin conference on the face of the earth, Bitcoin 2024. It's coming up. It's the year of the having. It's not going to be in Miami. It's going to be in Nashville, Tennessee, July 25th through the 27th. You could, you, the tickets are going up. When we first told you guys about this, the tickets were $299, but uh, they're, they're going to continue to go up. So make sure to get your tickets quickly. For a GA, it's $349. For industry pass, it's $849. For a whale pass, it's $4,749. You can use promo code SIMPLY to get yourself a 10% discount on these already discounted tickets. As the conference gets closer, these tickets will get more expensive. All right, everybody, no more delay. Let's jump straight into the news. We got to talk about El Salvador today. Let's check it out. The Daily News. The Daily News is brought to you by Blockstream Jade, built by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. It's an open source hardware wallet for the cold storage of Bitcoin. Check out the brand new limited edition color, the transparent green jade. Blockstream Jade houses a full color camera, allowing for fully air gap Bitcoin transactions, scan and display QR codes directly on the device, assign transactions and verify addresses with ease. Use your Blockstream Jade with your favorite wallet software, such as Blockstream Green, Blue Wallet, Electrum, Sparrow. Get yourself a Blockstream J today and take self-custody of your Bitcoin. All right, guys. So we're going to go through one by one. This is The Economist. Uh, like the Fiat Times, the Financial Times, like the New York Times. They're not very fond of what's going on in El Salvador. I think it has nothing to do with democracy. I think it has nothing to do with human rights. I think it has everything to do with the fact that El Salvador, since they made Bitcoin legal tender, is a threat to the powers at B and their ability to control developing countries using the IMF. Now that there's an alternative to the IMF, um, I, I think that really freaks them out. I think that really spooks them. So take a look at how many articles they've dropped on El Salvador over the last couple of months. I'm gonna read you some of the headlines and then I'm gonna read you the last uh, article. So first one is Naim Bukele shows how to dismantle a democracy and stay popular. Others will learn from El Salvador's charismatic president. Okay. Dismantle a democracy by getting duly elected and having, you know, some of the, you know, the 90% approval rating. Isn't that the whole point of a democracy, right? That if, you know, you are popular and you win the election, uh, then you become president and you stay in power. So like what it what uh what is it exactly? I don't know. Um okay, moving on to the next one. Uh Naim Bukele, another article. Naim Bukele is wrecking uh is wrecking democracy in El Salvador. Um beyond the Bitcoin tech bro hype is an old-fashioned Cardillo. Cardillo is the name that they used for Francisco Franco, which was the uh the fascist dictator of Spain from the Spanish Civil War until the mid-1970s where Spain peacefully transitioned to democracy. So in this, it, they're not just calling him a dictator. Uh, that Cadillo thing that they're referencing or they're, they're calling him uh, is 
fascist. They're calling him a fascist. Um, and then also in that same line, Bitcoin is there. So in that same sentence, a fascist dictator, fascist dictator president is wrecking democracy in El Salvador, even though he was duly elected and even though even though he has a 90 percent approval rating. But again, headlines are very important. We talked to you about how the importance of framing. Right. Anyways, goes on to say El Salvador, El Salvador's authoritarian president is becoming a regional role model that is dangerous for democracy and human rights. Why is he being a, why is he a regional role model? Because he dramatically decreased the, the, the crime rate. Therefore he became popular. Therefore he increased the economic opportunity for El Salvadorians, right? But that is dangerous to democracy and human rights. Are they basically saying that, uh, that you should leave, like you should leave, uh, you know, these gang members on the street extorting innocent civilians? Are they, you know, is that what they're promoting? I, I don't, I don't quite know, right? Uh, it, it's like, it, it's so easy for you to accuse and to push past blame. But again, I, it, it kind of reminds, reminds me of that Roosevelt quote, judge not the man in the arena. I also think it's elitist as, as F for a Western uh, media outlet to basically say yes in you know in the developing world in central america things are just how they are in the developed world and you know democracy runs smoothly and you know you can deal with uh criminals a certain way etc cetera, etc cetera. so anyways you could say okay nico but you know they're probably saying this about every everything they're probably saying this about every country that's like you know breaking the law or has a dictatorial government but i'm going to show you i'm going to compare you i'm going to compare you two things so this is the Google search for the Economist and El Salvador. I'm going to read you some of the headlines. What what the world's budding autocrats are learning from El Salvador. Nayib Bukele shows how to dismantle democracy and stay popular inside El Salvador's war on crime. Okay, there you could say uh, you know it's not negative. Uh, young Latin Americans are unusually open to autocrats. Um, and here's my favorite one. El Salvador's Bitcoin experiment is not paying off. This was November 17, 2022. They got that catastrophically wrong. Now, let's take a look at China. Uh, so I searched The Economist in China. And I'm going to read you some of, uh, some of these headlines. And you let me know which headlines are more positive or more negative. So the first one is China hits back against Western sanctions. Can academic joint ventures between China and the West survive? What if China and India became friends? Um, a true, a, a clue to China's true pandemic death toll. How much trouble is China's uh, economy in? And I think this is my favorite one. Um, how China trains its journalists to report, quote, correctly. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about China. So they talk about all these human rights abuses and all these things, all these horrible atrocities that are happening because El Salvador jailed, you know, their gang members and now there's peace on the streets and all that. Let's talk about the Uyghurs. Let's talk about the Uyghur genocide, right? This is happening in China. So the Chinese government has committed a series of ongoing human rights abuses against Uyghurs and other ethnic and re religious minorities in Xinjiang that is often characterized as genocide. Beginning in 2014, the Chinese government under the administration of the CCP 
and General Secretary Xi Jinping incarcerated more than an estimated 1 million Turkic, uh, Turkic Muslims without any legal process or inter in intermittent camps. So they put them in camps. But if you take a look at The Economist on a Google search, they're not talking about that. They want to talk to you about El Salvador. I just find that interesting. And then this all kind of reminds me of why is this happening? And I always reference back to this article. And this article was written by Naim Bukele himself, Stop Drinking the Elite's Kool-Aid, published by our friends over at Bitcoin Magazine. And it goes on to say, the most vocal detractors, the ones who are afraid and pressuring us to reverse our decision, are the world's most powerful elites and the people who worked for or benefit from them. They used to own everything in a way they still do. The media, the banks, the, NGO, the NGOs, the international organizations, and almost all the governments and corporations in the world. And with that, of course, they also own the armies, the loans, the money supply, the credit ratings, the narrative, the propaganda, the factories, the food supply. They control international trade and international law, but their most important, their most, most powerful weapon is their control on the truth. And they're willing to fight, lie, smear, destroy, censor, confiscate, print, and do whatever it takes to maintain and increase their control over the, quote, truth and everything and everyone. So you want to know why The Economist is not covering the Uyghurs, an actual genocide that is happening in a non-democratic country? Um, there's your answer. You want to know why they're covering El Salvador, even though they didn't, they didn't even pretend that El Salvador existed before the Bitcoin law? There's your answer. I don't think it has anything to do with democracy. I don't think it has anything to do with uh, the human, quote unquote, human rights abuses, because if that were the case, they would say the same thing about China. I think it has everything to do with the fact that, to use Christine Lagarde's own words, El Salvador has found an escape valve. I think that's what it has to do. That's what it's all about. Um, so anyways, I found that very interesting, um, the, the, the double standards, but hey, this is what the bit. This is what uh, simply Bitcoin's all about. Uh, this is what the internet is all about. It's empowered the independent journalist. It's empowered the everyday average individual to buy a camera, buy a microphone, and look at the facts and start reporting the facts uh, from your viewpoint, from your angle. And I think that's why they're calling for anything that doesn't come from the legacy corporate media misinformation, or they're basically labeling it as not an official news source. That's why, because they can no longer control the narrative of which they've been able to control for so long until the internet came around. And now what's happening also is Bitcoin is coming around and saying, hey, not only do you not have to consume certain information sources? Now you can pick and choose what money you want to use as well, right? And how long until they say Bitcoin is a danger to democracy? How long until they say, you know, Bitcoin, no, they're already saying this. They're already saying the quiet part out loud. Bitcoin is a danger to financial stability, right? But you know what I think is more of a danger to financial stability? Inflation. That's what I think. That's what I think is more of a danger to financial stability, not financial stability of elites that benefit from inflation, because every time the government prints money, it's a wealth redistribution mechanisms from the have nots to the haves and back to the government. 
So it's just, it's, uh, you know, this whole thing, it's just, it's a bunch of hypocrisy, much, uh, a bunch of misrepresentation, but you know what? I think the internet's going to rule the day. And I think Bitcoin's going to rule the day at the end of the day as well, because Bitcoin's incentives stay winning. Anyways, Opti, what's your take on this? And then we'll move on to Hector. Yeah, I think, um, one of those headlines said it best and it was really, uh, what do you call it? Like the smoking gun or what have you. And it was, uh, El Salvador and Bukele becoming a regional role model. I think that is, is the most telling headline of that whole, uh, you know, little segment that you showed all the headlines. Obviously, we know that the powers that be do not want to see El Salvador succeed. Uh, this is why they're framing Bukele in the way that he is. And, and again, guys, like we, we obviously don't have any insight into what Bukele is doing for the future. But as of now, it does seem like not only is he improving the country, but the citizens of El Salvador are truly enjoying and love the man. And obviously, as Bitcoiners, we want to see this, uh, you know, happen with or without him on the Bitcoin standard. And that would be probably the best for everyone as an example. But this is why the parasitic class is so scared of what Bitcoin has done for El Salvador, what Bukele is doing for El Salvador, because it's showing that there is another way. It's showing that there is another option than to just take an IMF loan and be beholden to, you know, the debt from the Western world. Uh, it eliminates the power of the money printer. And of course, they do not want that to happen. But Nico, you reminded me of some of Bukele's tweets, and I'm going to pull them up here. Um, like, just, just, just imagine if this is what our politicians were saying. This—that's all I want to say. Look, we have Naib Bukele's response to the Economist uh, headline here. Obviously, the headline is President Naib Bukele is gutting democracy and being applauded for it. And Bukele dunks on the Economist and says, "I think you accidentally replaced the word criminals with democracy in your tweet." Oof. Headshot. Love to see it. And this next one, I think this is one of the most telling examples of why they are terrified of what Bukele is doing. And here's a tweet that he did uh, last week. And it goes, almost every government in the world is 10 times to a thousand times stronger than all of its criminals combined. The reason they don't end crime is because they are colluded with it or because they benefit from it. You pick the reason. Now, I don't know about you. But I've never heard any of our politicians say anything on that line. And as a Bitcoiner, you kind of just love to see it. And again, look, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. And I'm not here to judge China on how they run their country. But I thought this was America, damn it. Why are so many talking heads and bureaucrats continually simping for China? Like, what is going on here? This is absolutely ludicrous. Um, I thought we were, you know, a nation of freedom. And yet whether it's in the private sector or the public sector, everyone is looking for China as, uh, you know, what we should be doing to usher in a future, a better world for the world. And I don't know. It, it seems like there's been more human rights uh, transgressions in China than anywhere else. But what do I know? I'm, I'm just a, a freedom-loving libertarian Bitcoiner, and uh, I want to see the world become more free, not less free. Yeah. Now, and I just want to say this because we're all Hispanic here and we all have Hispanic backgrounds. So we obviously, you know, we're looking at what's happening in El Salvador. And, you know, if you compare that with the rest of Latin America, I see hope. I see, you know, I see a government that is actually doing their job. Like that's the whole point of paying taxes, supposedly for law and order. Right. That's the whole point of it. Right. 
Um, so I just find it interesting that, you know, they're completely ignoring what's happening in an, an actual genocide, but they're highlighting, uh, they're highlighting a policy policies that are very, very popular with the with the populace of, of El Salvador. They, they, they voted for this. This is what they wanted. And you have an international, you have multiple international organizations basically saying, hey, look, I don't like what's going on there. Now, to play devil's advocate, right? Absolute power corrupts, absolutely, right? So, you know, I think it's too early to tell um, what the long-term consequences of these policies are going to be. And maybe you could say, okay, that is a good argument, right? Um, that's actually something that I asked the economic advisor of El Salvador when he came on Simply Bitcoin IRL. I was like, look, like, you know, aren't you worried that, you know, this is going to increase the power of the state, right? Um, but I'll tell you what, guys, uh, it's definitely heading in the right direction. Um, I think that um, we read you an article the other day. Also, the headline was all messed up about, you know, kids in slums being able to play outside about, you know, middle-class areas being able to run their business without fear of extortion and whatnot, right? Um, and you know what? I think passing judgment and saying there is an alternative solution to this without presenting one, uh, because there's definitely a bunch of other countries that you can point to and you could see the crime there and you could see the corruption. Um, I, I think it's a lot easy to pass judgment, but ha as a Hispanic... Personally, I find what is happening in El Salvador inspirational. Um, and let's see what the future holds. And look, if for whatever reason, you know, this turns south, we'll be the first to, to, to tell you guys about it. And the reason for that is because at the end of the day, what we stand for is freedom. We, we, we stand for is individualism, right? What we stand for is private property rights. What we stand for is capitalism. What we, what we stand for is equal opportunity. Um, and I think that really, you know, I think that's what I'm seeing in El Salvador. And I don't see that anywhere else in, in, in Central Latin America at the moment, right? Anyways, um, Hector, what, what are your thoughts on this, bro? Uh, you know, from someone who, you know, immigrated from Cuba or his parents immigrated from Cuba and you see what is happening in El Salvador, uh, what are your thoughts on what's going on? And then also what are your thoughts on the... Uh, clearly biased reporting from the legacy corporate media. Well, I'll say that, you know, uh, El Salvador is a sovereign nation and they have the right to choose their own leaders. Uh, and right now it seems like they believe that uh, that Bukele is uh, is the best leader for them. And uh, until they change their mind about that, I don't think it is, uh, I don't think it's, uh, it's our business to be telling them who should be leading them. And if they're concerned about incarceration rates, uh, we could probably take a long look in a mirror at our own incarceration rates and realize that uh, the United States uh, laps the field uh, globally as it relates to a uh, percentage of their population incarcerated. So uh, I don't think that that's a really consistent position to take right now. Uh, ultimately, El Salvadorians should choose, choose their leaders. They have spoken. Uh, and until they speak differently, we should honor uh, that sovereign choice. Uh, as it relates to biased reporting, it's like you said, Nico, it is not about any of these things. It's not about human rights. It is about control. Like Henry Kissinger said, right? Uh, you know, those who can control food can control the people. Those who can control energy can control continents. And those who can control the money can control the world. This is about control of the world through the control of money, right? We weren't, we weren't concerned uh, a year or so ago about the violations of people's democratic rights in Canada when some truckers wanted to peacefully protest 
And when there was an escape valve and a way to get funding to those truckers, all of a sudden, Justin Trudeau uh, decided those democratic rights didn't matter anymore. We weren't concerned about the human rights violations of Saddam Hussein for years and years and years and years until all of a sudden he wanted to settle oil contracts in something other than US dollars. And we saw the possibility of losing control there. And so all of a sudden he had to go. So it's not about human rights violations. It is not about democratic right violations. It is about the loss of control. Um, and I think that that's the source of some of this reporting is because of the concern that like, uh, you know, like Opti's girlfriend said, uh, you know, it's an escape valve. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And, <laughs> and uh, I think that's what eventually led to their breakup. You know, Opti was clearly... <laughs> it had to be, it had to be. Irreconcilable clearly, differences at that point. Clearly, you know, Opti was trying to orange pill her and, and then she's like, no, Opti, I have a money, I have a money printer. It is better than Bitcoin. And then, Good you know, impression. that's that's what happened. That's what happened. Anyways, everybody, before on, we go, before we go on, before we go on, they want an air horn because we got a hundred likes today. Yeah. Thank you for everybody. We broke a hundred likes within the first hour of the live stream. We're on a roll. I think this is two weeks in a row. So shout out to you guys. This wouldn't be possible. So we really appreciate you guys smashing that like button. Anyways, I also want to give a shout out to our awesome sponsor, the Orange Pill app. It's important that you guys stack friends. Who are stacking Bitcoin? I'm sure that uh, you know it. It kind of feels weird, uh, you know, as you're going down the rabbit hole and you have less and less in common with the people around you. So there will be a time in the non in the not too distant future where the most sought after demographic will be Bitcoiners, principled, devoted, patient, diverse, and loyal individuals who are the wealthiest single demographic. It might be worthwhile to make make as many Bitcoin connections as you can. Now, while the getting is good, what's the best way to meet other Bitcoiners in real life? The Orange Pill app. The Orange Pill app is building the social layer for Bitcoin. The Bitcoin circular economy is coming, and this is where it starts with an in real life connections. Find other Bitcoiners who live near you, uh, who live close to you. Find plebs while you're traveling or find them at near Bitcoin, nearby Bitcoin events. Plus Orange Pill app recently enabled zaps. You can zap your friends and zap events to help with the cost to Orange to organize your next Bitcoin meetup. Scan the QR code below. And when you sign up, you'll get 10K in sats. Uh, stack friends who stack sats. So if you scan the QR code on your screen right now, that is uh, the referral link. And uh, you get 10,000 sats when you sign up. Just like that. Easy like that. Anyways, everybody, no more delay. Let's jump straight into the culture. I'm really excited to talk to Hector today about uh, what he's working on. And uh, let's check it out. The Daily Culture. Brought to you by SwanBitcoin.com. Swan is the best way to build your Bitcoin stack with automated Bitcoin savings plans and instant purchases, serving clients of any size from $10 to $10 million. We love Swan because they incentivize self-custody and dollar cost averaging. What are you waiting for? Visit SwanBitcoin.com today. All right, guys, I want to tell you about the largest Bitcoin festival on the West Coast, October 5th through the 6th. 
the Pacific Bitcoin Festival. It's going to be in Los Angeles, California. Some of the speakers include Jimmy Song, Lynn Alden, Greg Foss, Preston Pish, Alex Gladstein, Corey Clipston, and many, many more. I'm going to be there as well. It's going to be awesome. You definitely don't want to miss this awesome Bitcoin celebration. Meet Bitcoiners in real life. Build up those real in-life connections. You can't replace those. And you could use the promo code SIMPLY to get 21% off your tickets to the Pacific Bitcoin Festival. <laughs> I was waiting for the tea up, Nico. Anyways, Hector, uh, I, I, I do have some tweets and stuff that, you've in, that you're involved in, things you've written for Bitcoin Magazine. But everyone really loves the how did you get into Bitcoin stories, the rabbit hole journey. So let's just start there. How did you find Bitcoin and uh, what, what's your journey been like so far? Uh, thanks. Well, it, you know, ironically, I first heard about Bitcoin on White Paper Day on Halloween in 2015 from, uh, you know, from a, a brother-in-law of a friend of mine and thought it was interesting, but didn't pay much attention. You know, life was busy. Then about a year later, uh, it came back around and I heard about it again. And I said, well, you know, maybe I should uh, go ahead and, you know, pick up a little bit just in case it catches on and started accumulating little by little uh, for the next handful of years. And then around uh, 2019 and heading into 2020, that's when I really went fully uh, fully down the rabbit hole and uh, and just started consuming everything I possibly could about it and just realized what a, a world-changing, groundbreaking uh, uh, technology it was. And so ever since then, I have been trying to educate friends, educate family, uh, educate colleagues, uh, and then uh, transitioning into uh, teaching uh, some courses about money, banking, uh, and economics, and Bitcoin. Uh, and just trying to help more and more people get into the Bitcoin lifeboat and preserve their wealth. Love it. Love it. And uh, before I ask you about how that journey has been going of educating people, you brought up a point. And I had this conversation this morning with a friend, the idea of like multiple touches. I think we all forget how many touches we had before we got into Bitcoin. And we get so frustrated with people like you should understand Bitcoin right away. And you forget <laughs> that you probably heard about Bitcoin like three or four times before you finally took the deep dive and, and you know, understood Bitcoin or at least just got your toes wet in ha holding and having a little bit of Bitcoin. But anyways, let's get into your uh, orange pilling journey because you had this article go uh, on Bitcoin Magazine and it's about orange pilling your barber. So how did you get to this idea and, and what's the context of orange pilling the barber? What's the genius behind orange pilling the barber? <laughs> well, uh, it was, you know, like we all do, right? Once we learn about Bitcoin and, and we want to help educate others, we think about what are the what are the circles of influence that I have? And uh, so our family uh, has been in the business of manufacturing garments uh, for barbers and beauty salons for, uh, for the better part of 40 years. Um, so those capes that you put on when you go to the barber so you don't get hair all over your clothes when they're cutting it, uh, we manufacture and sell those all around the United States. And so uh, in thinking about orange pilling and talking with barbers about how they can improve their business, <laughs> I love it, how they can improve their business uh, uh, with Bitcoin by saving money on transaction fees, so on and so forth, it hit me that, you know, barbers hold a really, really unique place in every community uh, in the United States and also globally in that every kind of walk of life, every kind of person sits in that barber's chair for 20 minutes, 45 minutes. Sometimes it might be a couple of hours if you're at a salon for a, a long service. And it's the perfect environment to be talking about Bitcoin, whether it's you talking to them about Bitcoin while you're getting your, your service done, or 
whether it's them talking to every lawyer, doctor, business owner, teacher, uh, you, you know, stay-at-home mom, whoever it is, uh, it's a terrific environment because it doesn't have distractions. It happens routinely, and it gives you a chance to have those multiple touches that you mentioned are usually needed in order for somebody to get it about Bitcoin and start stacking SAT. So that was the uh, that was the motivation behind uh, writing the article to try to help people think about how to talk to their barbers about Bitcoin and orange pill them. Love it. Well, someone commented, uh, they tried to orange pill their barber, but he was not about it. So what, <laughs> what is the process that you tell people to go through when they're trying to orange pill their barber? Well, you know, the, not only with barbers, but with anybody, right? The, the first thing is to think about who your audience is, right? Who are you talking about? Uh, Nico, I think you referenced a Teddy Roosevelt quote a little earlier in the show. So I'll reference another one, right? Uh, Teddy once said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. And that is the same with your barber or with anybody who you are talking with Bitcoin uh, about with about Bitcoin with. Uh, and that starts by thinking about who they are and asking them some questions about things that might matter to them. So uh, are they worried about, you know, the rising cost of doing business, for example, or high credit card fees uh, for somebody like a barber? Is it somebody like my mom who is, uh, you know, who had the experience of having to lose everything that they had in order to uh, leave Cuba and come to the United States? Uh, is it somebody who's close to retirement and they're worried about outliving their money? So whatever you think might be those pain points that they might have, think about what kind of questions you can ask to get them talking about those pain points. Because once they've brought those forward, then you can talk about Bitcoin in the context of that pain point that they're feeling. And that gives you a much better chance of getting them to listen and potentially take action uh, on using Bitcoin to address uh, address those pain points. Love it. And uh, before we move on to some uh, some other topics here, why don't you tell the people about the initiative that you uh, told me before the show that you wanted to plug? Uh, yeah. So, you know, in that spirit, uh, as I, you know, started engaging with some folks, uh, uh, I'm in a group, uh, a telegram group called the Chief Lightning Officers that are all about, um, you know, all about trying to help onboard businesses to Bitcoin. And I started thinking about how can I onboard the businesses that I know in that way? And I realized we've got a lot of Bitcoiners around and uh, they're talking to their barbers about Bitcoin and maybe they're going to start uh, orange pilling and onboarding their barbers to accepting Bitcoin. So what I thought we would do is help drive a little bit of incentive there. So I made up some of these uh, Bitcoin barber logo cakes. And uh, what I'm going to do is if somebody has or does orange pill their barber and gets or their or their stylist, and gets them to start using Bitcoin and accepting Bitcoin. <laughs> Nico's got the one I made for him at the conference. Uh, uh, you know, hit me up on uh, on on Twitter, uh, Noster. Uh, get a hold of me, and uh, I'll send one of those capes uh, to your barber or stylist. So that then that way they've got a nice conversation piece when they put that cape around their client. It's immediately going to start a discussion around Bitcoin and help us start orange pilling the world through barbers and stylists. Love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, before, I think we got a couple more minutes. Uh, you did talk about being a part of what the lightning initiatives or whatever. And I have a, let me see, let me pull this up. Uh, I found this thread that you put out on your Twitter as well. And it's the idea of not only orange pilling business owners, but doing your best to try to have them accept lightning and the pushback that Bitcoiners usually get. So how do you route around this? What, what's the best way do you think that people should uh, approach businesses and have them accept lightning or incorporate lightning as one of their payment mechanisms? 
Sure. Well, you know, it's going to be a little different uh, depending on, you know, the particular business owner's setup and what kind of, you know, what what level of, of work they want to put into it. Right. But again, it starts by asking questions, finding those pain points and then helping them understand that, hey, with Lightning, uh, you can accept, you know, payments in a way that is as as uh, as fa as fast as cash, uh, you know, a lot cheaper than credit cards uh, and as good as gold. Right. So, whether that's just having them use a simple sort of peer-to-peer -peer wallet transfer, whether that's Phoenix or let's say Strike, or if they want to implement a solution like Ibex, if they want something that might resemble more like a point of sale or another tool like uh, CoinOS, which also can serve that function. There are a lot of different tools uh, that you can use. It depends a little bit about how interested the barber is and how they want to maintain uh, their Bitcoin once they receive it. Uh, and that's something that uh, I mentioned in the, uh, the orange pilling article. If you're trying to figure out exactly how to talk with your barber. I'm happy to be a resource to you uh, and happy to have a chat with you about how to approach them, how to how to have that conversation, ask those questions, uh, and then figure out what might be the right solution for them once they're interested enough to think about doing it. Great, great advice. And uh, the last thing I have over here is I noticed you are a part of some of the local meetups in your area. So maybe you want to talk about them and, and maybe get more Bitcoiners to congregate and meet up and continue to spread the message. Yeah, you, you know, uh, it's fantastic having these opportunities to engage uh, virtually, right? But in my opinion, you know, there, nothing replaces uh, those, you know, in-person kinds of events. Uh, I think that's why uh, conferences like, you, you know, the Bitcoin conference that's been here in Miami the last few years, that's going to be in Nashville next year, Pacific Bitcoin, so on and so forth. I think that's why those things are so special because it gives us an opportunity to know, hey, there are other folks who really understand what this is about. Uh, and it's a great way to bring new people into the fold as well. So yeah, I, I about a year ago after the Bitcoin 22 conference, uh, worked together with, uh, with my buddy Carl to uh, start the uh, Broward County Bitcoiners meetup. Um, and you know, we've been growing and building ever since we've got a number of great meetups down here in South Florida. And, uh, if you don't have a local meetup in your area, I encourage you to start one. If you do, and you don't attend them now, I encourage you to do so because it really helps you see that you're not just on an Island. You're not by yourself, uh, in being a Bitcoiner and trying to help people improve their lives through Bitcoin. Uh, there are a lot of other people out there. And if you reach out, as you know, if you reach out to Bitcoiners, you're going to find multiple Bitcoiners reaching back out to you. Uh, and, and wanting to engage with you. And it's just a terrific way to, uh, to meet other people uh, that are like-minded. Yeah, I, I say it, you're muted, Nico. I, I say it all the time. Until you hang out with Bitcoiners constantly, you forget that you are not the crazy one and it's everyone else that doesn't understand what's going on in the world. And, and you, you gotta be around Bitcoiners. You need to build that Bitcoin community around yourself. It, I think it's one of the most important things for everyone out there to be doing. 100%, 100%. Um, and shout out also to Broward, man. That's awesome. You know, represent South Florida, represent, uh, you know, uh, represent, uh, the community down here, which I think is, is, is really, really important. Also guys, um, we've been speaking about a lot about, you know, uh, sovereignty and, uh, freedom and privacy. And this, those are things that we always talk about. We talk to you, do uh, we talk to you guys about the benefits of self custody? Well, the next step is running your own Bitcoin node. If you don't run your own Bitcoin node, you're trusting someone else's copy of the blockchain. It's time to reclaim ownership of your own money. Get yourself a Bitcoin node. The Nada One is a full Bitcoin node and Lightning Network node. It enables you to connect to both Bitcoin and, Light and the Lightning Network. 
your Noddle acts as a backend to its most pop to the most popular Bitcoin and Lightning applications you want to run. Running a personal Bitcoin node is the greatest addition you can make to your financial privacy. Also, check out the Noddle Dojo. It's in red, and yes, that means it's faster. Run your own wallet backend with Samurai Dojo and enjoy state-of-the-art coin joining with Samurai Whirlpool, both straight out of your Noddle hardware. So visit Noddle today. You can scan the QR code on your screen, and it will take you directly to the website. No more delay. Let's review some memes. Kaboom, Rex. The Daily Meme Review. Brought to you by Kaboom Racks. I get this question all the time. Nico, where should I buy Bitcoin miners? The answer is Kaboom Racks. It's the best place to buy Bitcoin miners. That's where you're going to find the best deals and the best prices. Start your mining utopia today. To check out their racks, you got to go to t.me slash Kaboom Racks. Join their Telegram group and start your mining journey today. Kaboom Racks. Kaboom all right guys you already know the deal this is the meme review where you guys send us memes and we review them tag me on twitter at simply bitcoin tv i will scroll through them all i will drop them in the show notes they may not all make it on the next show but you know sometimes i will get them on the show there's a lot of memes sometimes but also drop them in our telegram group t.me slash simply bitcoin i look at that every morning i'm trying to get your memes on the show but i need the tweets guys you need to drop the tweets i know they i know there's like you know tracking information on them just do them for me because I can't just take screenshots of people's memes. I want to give you guys credit. Anyways, tweets are the, uh, what's it? Tweets are the bullets. Memes are the artillery. As you can tell, we are in an information war and the powers that be do not want you conversating about the truth. It, it, it's incredible that we can't have these conversations without uh, being gaslit and uh, ignored. But this is what we do every day. We continue to have these conversations. We continue to spread the truth. We continue to give you the calls of actions and also bring you some funny so you guys can keep your heads in the game. Anyways, this first meme is by our boy, the BTC therapist, and he goes, very wise words, hashtag BTC. And we have an x-ray of a person, a skeleton hunched over a computer with the Bitcoin logo in his brain. And it goes Satoshi Nakamoto and his comment on the computer is if you don't get it go fuck yourself <laughs> all right this next meme is by simple btc app on twitter and he goes my only motivation to go to work and they got someone in bed doesn't want to wake up and he goes god give me a reason to go to work and we got dorian nakamoto aka satoshi nakamoto and goes sats aren't getting any cheaper son this is the only reason to get up and get to work now you got to go out there, provide value to your fellow man, and the sats will come to you. Anyways, this next meme is by at Toxic Bitcoin, and it goes, no, wait, hold on, no, and it goes, uh, and it's got a crying girlfriend, e-girl over here, goes, babe, please stop lifting while listening to Rothbard, and we got a Chad Pepe meme over here, he's buff with infinity divided by 21 million on his chest and the Bitcoin logo, and a weighted belt, and it goes, fuck the state, let's go, okay, this next meme is by Walker America, shouts out to the crypto couple, and he dropped this on Jack's tweet in regards to scam coin, I mean world coin, and Jack tweet 
Vita. At no time should a corporation or state own any part of the global financial system. Couldn't agree more. And Walker responds, Bitcoin fixes this and reappropriates Legend. the world coin. Yeah, reappropriates the world coin marketing. And it puts the Bitcoin logo and it goes, it's time. Study Bitcoin. This is the way. All right. This next meme is by Creasis underscore BTC. And he goes, I spend a lot of time and energy trying to explain the power of Bitcoin as a savings technology. But sometimes a meme nails it better than any article can. And this is the power of memes. Anyways, we got a Pepe the Frog, Chad Pepe the Frog going up an elevator. And the elevator is obviously Bitcoin. And then we got the normie over here or the pre-coiner. And they have some shackles. And one of them student loan debt. And the other one's medical debt. And they're looking up at the staircase that they need to climb for a good life. And they are huge. And we got buying a vehicle, starting a family, home ownership, starting a business, pay off all debt, emergency fund, nice vacation, luxury, dining, and traveling around. And that's the last one. Or just get on uh, the escalator, the Bitcoin escalator, and number will go up. It's going up forever. And you can, you know, maintain your purchasing power instead of getting debased at a, at the minimum of 2% a year. I think, what are we at now, Nico? Like three or five or eight? I forget. It keeps going up. If you're in the UK, it's at like 10, right? Crazy. Okay, this next meme is by Maxi's Club. And it goes 468, feels good. And we got a euphoric Pepe Bitcoiner, euphoric, just understanding that Bitcoin is the way. And it goes, that feeling when you have a 100% Bitcoin allocation and a long-term strategy, completely euphoric. Okay, this last meme. And I was telling Hector about this in the beginning of the show. And I brought this up before he was bringing up any of this idea about uh, taxation. And, you know, we say it all the time, Bitcoin or slavery. It used to be hyperbolic. And now the receipts and the examples keep coming out. Anyways, the meme here is by Fight With Memes on Twitter. And we got a pharaoh's head here, and it goes roughly 2500 BC, Genesis 47. Slaves owned by pharaoh were required to pay him 20% of their income of crop harvest. Crop harvest, sorry. And then 2022 AD, the median U.S. taxpayer pays 24.8% income tax, along with 7.65% FICA taxes on his tax income. He then pays sales tax, property tax, gas tax, and many other taxes and fees. Absolutely devastated. It is Bitcoin or slavery. Anyways, uh, my meme review score. Drop your meme review score over there. Or we got to go. I think we got to wrap up soon. Nico's got a meeting. Uh, my meme review score is the sticker by Birdwell Bur Beach Britches. If you know, you know. Uh, just kind of doxing myself. So cowboy confirmed. I am going to give it my limited edition barber's cape <laughs> that was made by Hector. I am so grateful and I'm going to take this with me to the barbershop. Just whip it out. Whip Let's it go. Out. I'm going to have my custom, custom barber cape. Anyways, that's my score. Uh, Hector, what would you give those memes? Uh, I'm going to give them my uh, uh, cold power and a nine volt battery. That way uh, you can keep those, uh, Keep those uh, sats icy, icy cold and air gapped. Icy, icy cold let's and air gapped. Go. Love that. All right, uh, Opti, let's get through some of the meme scores. Uh, first one by Elaine. Score central bank digital currencies, orbs, and shit coins do their job sending plebs to Bitcoin. Let's go. Uh, wait, uh, wait. You, you can't, I don't think you can read this one. That one's a little. 
That one's on the edge. Shouts out to you, bro. I'm censoring you. Meme score. Bukele's actual Democratic approval rating of 90%. And I think that's the tell, right? Is it really is it really about democracy? Rave Elevator, I score the memes. The golf clubs I found in the trash that I sold for sats to my friend. This is the way. Oof. Let's go. All right. Seekor05, uh, C- all Florida barbers using Hector's barber gowns. <laughs> Phil C, that. I give the memes 10,000 sats for one smashed world coin orb. I love that. We do not condone breaking uh, private property, but uh, maybe. Roman uh, meme score. Stack Bitcoin, yes. Stack Bitcoin, yes. No, Take custody. Stack Bitcoin, yes. Stack Bitcoin, yes. Take custody. Opti Opt is an e-girl in training. We will be releasing e-girl vertical videos on TikTok very soon. Starting Optimus Fields with his shirt off. Bitcoin for Canadians. Bitcoin, yum yum. <laughs> I give the the meme memes barbers getting orange pilled far and wide, yelling Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Beautiful. UTXO. I give the memes cosmetic surgery on my iris. Um, and uh, hammer saw meme score a global government collapsing under the weight of their own debt. All right, awesome, awesome scores. <laughs> Uh, he's trolling he's trolling all right everybody uh hey this is a family friendly show bro okay uh, i want to give a shout out to our special guest Hector. to thank you so much for joining us on simply bitcoin live i love you your, i love this man i will forever be grateful we we have to play pickleball thank you so much for hey, coming on the show come on let's go give, give Hector <laughs> a follow right there it's down in the the bottom left of your screen Hector alvaro and uh, Hector, thank you so much for joining us on simply bitcoin today Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. Take it easy. All right, guys. If you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. Smash that like button. If you feel like we provide you value, consider subscribing. But the number one thing you could do to push the peaceful Bitcoin revolution forward is share Bitcoin-only content, whether it comes from the magazine, whether it comes from Brunel, McCormack, Breedlove, TFTC, Swan Bitcoin, Stefan Levera, John Vallis, whatever your, whatever your Bitcoin, your orange pill Orange pillar of choices, share that content, spread that signal far and wide. Don't share shitcoin content. That's counterproductive. We love you all. If you enjoyed the show, smash that like button, like we said. Really helps with the YouTube algos. If you want to join the after party, Opti's holding it down until 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's co-hosting the space with our friends over at Swan Bitcoin. Best place to build your Bitcoin stack. But guys, until then, I love you all. We'll see you tomorrow for a brand new episode of Simply Bitcoin Live. Peace out, y'all. Okay, boys and girls, girls and boys. Uh, can you guys hear me? Let me see some emojis because it's... Faces is looking a little weird over here. You guys there? Are we there? Are we still live? Maybe not. I don't know. I'll keep going. Yesterday, I had uh, some technical difficulties. Apparently, <laughs> I had muted myself or something. I don't know what happened. Anyways, this is a Bitcoin space by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. So come up here, add your two sets to the conversation. I do 